Welcome back to D1 Rejects, episode 77. We're creeping closer and closer. We're over three-fourths of the way to episode 100. We should oh, do something I'm special. So excited. We should do something special. We should, uh, wear, we should we, wear our birthday suits on episode 100. Yeah, great idea. That is Cade Manzo on the couch, <laughs> not Cody. Look at him. Look at him laying down like this. Yeah, exactly. This is a professional uh, establishment. He's laying down like it's... Tell him why I'm laying down, Jimmy. Not anymore. Oh, yeah. Cade, uh, Cade worked at 9 to 5 at Dunham's today, and he's just... He's, <laughs> For the first time It wiped, it wiped him out. It wiped him out. Yeah. He's... <laughs> Ridiculous. I got tomorrow to serve my people. But we've got a good episode for you today. Joining us is Nick Thomas, outside linebacker for the Ferris State Bulldogs. They are advancing to the national semifinal in Division Two. We'll talk to him about Ferris. They're heading to their fourth straight Final Four for the Bulldogs. That's a uh, that's a big one for Coach Anise and his squad. Uh, on the NFL side of things, though, we're going to talk about Mister Irrelevant and why you could make the argument that he is Mr. Relevant after last week's performance, uh, building the perfect wide receiver, and then we have some new coaches for the Pro Bowl. And then obviously we can do some recapping of the games, some of the bigger, obviously that Tom Brady fourth quarter comeback, and then the Colts absolutely blowing what could have been a decent game against the Cowboys. We'll talk about all that in the NFL and on the college football side of things. Uh, the Heisman finalists have been announced, so we'll overview them, take a look at the odds. Kind of seems like a... One horse race with three others lagging behind, if you look at the, the odds from MGM, Jimmy. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll take we'll take a look at that one. But as always, you can watch this episode on YouTube. Don't forget, if you are watching, use those timestamps on the bottom there on the red line. You can fast forward to any part of the conversation that seems worth listening to and get the hell out. Otherwise, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Follow us on Twitter at D1Rejects, on Instagram at Division1Rejects to see highlights from the show. And... If you have an idea of what we should do for episode 100, please be so inclined to tell us. I think we could do something cool. Maybe a little giveaway. Be yeah. kind of fun. I don't know. Maybe we get a little like a more audience. sweatshirt if or have, something. If we have a raffle. Thing, I was going to say, if we get our merch going here, we'll announce that soon, and then maybe yeah. we can get that going. But uh, time will tell, fellas. Before we get to any of that, let's go to that conversation with Nick Thomas. Joining us on this episode, we've got a sophomore linebacker for the Ferris State Bulldogs. It's Nick Thomas. Nick, what's going on, man? Glad to get you on here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I like the uh, I like the sweatshirt there. What is uh, it says football national championship or what? Yeah, McKinney, Texas. Thought I'd bring it out. Okay, I was gonna say you probably got a couple of those now. You got like a nice little bit of gear from the last couple of years or what? Yeah, a little bit. The NCAA got us right after the after the national championship, but we don't get a ton of gear. But I hear you. I hear you. What about um? I remember watching that game, Valdosta, man, and. You know, you guys had been on a tear up to that point, but it's like, it's the national championship. Like, I know these guys got to give them a fight, and Bernhardt was just, like, running circles around those guys. I mean, that's, like, to be on the other side of that, like, what was that like? Dude, he was on a tear last year. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you watch any of his games, I mean, he kind of speaks for himself. He's just a dog. Um, There's not really more to say about it. <laughs> All-around athlete. I mean, to come from lacrosse, national player lacrosse of the year, transferring – to the Ferris State Division Two and wins the national championship, leads the team. It's just, I mean, you could write a movie about it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually doubt if they did like just that. It'd be pretty sweet. What was like? I want to know, like, from you guys. We haven't really had the chance to talk to a lot of guys from from Ferris in the past. Um, when he came into that locker room, not just to stay on him too long, but when he came into that locker room, was it well known that he was a dude right off the bat, or was there a little bit of a period where like he had to prove himself and go out there and you know do get things done? Oh, he definitely had to prove himself. I mean, <laughs> starters. Yeah. Like, he came in, COVID hit, right? So he kind of got lucky. He got an extra year to learn the offense, you know. 
God bless him. That's but, true. But uh, um, he couldn't throw the ball. Like he, he <laughs> hey, we we saw that a few times. And uh, but hey, he completed the big ones um in a lot oh, of moments man. too, though, which is crazy. But you saw some of those, man. And you're like, it's a good thing he, he can uh, run. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He came in learning a new position. Hadn't played football in six years or something. He said to come in, take, he gets a year to just perfect the quarterback spot in his own way. It was just impressive to see. And he, he stole the job at first. Nobody knew who he was. Um, no, it was just awesome. Yeah. All, all around great guy. Nobody was like, man, too bad this gets here. Everybody welcomed him. And it was awesome. That's sweet, dude. Um, but we'll, we'll leave, we'll leave that team in the past. You guys have a, a pretty good team this year too. And we can talk about, uh, you guys this year. Now let's get right into Grand Valley and really just building up to that game. Obviously, at your guys' place earlier in the year, you lose by one point. Number one versus number two, probably the best Division two football game in years. I would imagine. I'm no, like, football historian. But uh, talk about the environment of that one. You guys sold that place out. That place was rocking. And I know there was 13,000 people at Lubbers this past weekend, but I almost feel like at Taggart it might have felt you know what I mean? Just that, that proximity is so close. What's the, the difference between the two? Oh, definitely. Uh, I mean, our stadium's a lot smaller. Uh, I think we had 12,500 people. Um, it was just electric. It was great. Uh, we kind of – we talk about it kind of last week when the game was – we were leading up to the rematch, and it was like – we felt like we gave that game away towards yep. the end there, and that all – you know, all credit to them. They're hard-fought team, good ball club, and they fought it out and end up being on top at the end of the game. But it was uh, – the fan base was great, you know, only being 50 minutes away, 45 minutes away. That's big. You know, they travel well. We travel well. And uh, having both fan bases there just made it – made it really feel like you were playing in a real big ball game. Oh, that's huge. And that's what, I mean, we had talked to uh, Abe Swanson just uh, last week, and that's what he said. He was like, when he was at your place, man, those locker rooms are back-to-back. He was like, this is what you play for, right? These are the moments that you think about. And it's not like Michigan-Ohio State or something, you know, like crazy, but it's our equivalent, man. Like, those games are just chock full of insane athletes and big plays, and we saw that uh, time and time again. But we're watching this weekend, and it felt like, you guys just kept making plays to stay in the game. It felt like Grand Valley had so many opportunities to maybe add on one more score and, you know, for lack of a better term, like put you guys away, but they were just never able to do it. How do you guys, um, as defensively and offensively, it felt like every time you guys needed to make a big play, whether it was sustain a drive or defensively for you guys, make that big stop. Um, I mean, every step of the way, you just, it's not luck. And I think, I forget who said it, but, Great teams make their own luck, and I think you guys do a lot of that, and you stick around a lot of these games. What do you attribute that to? Um, I mean, it starts. I mean, all the dudes around here stay up the whole year. Um, only the young guys kind of go home for the summer and leave for breaks and whatnot. So I kind of attribute to that. We're around each other at all times. We're literally doing football all the time. It's, it's a great place to be. Um, you know, going to the game, started out hot, pump, blocked a punt score yeah that was nuts. it kind of seems like it's you know you don't know you, you don't know which way we could go we could either take that hot you know kind of slow after that we uh throw a pick they come down in the two yard line score now they're up going in you know fourth quarter and it's like you know what this could go both ways here right yeah. and uh you know defense after the half we kind of locked it down they had 270 
five or 271 yards in the first half, which mm-hmm. is very characteristic for our defense. You know, second half, they had 70, 75 or whatever it was, total offense in the second half, you know. So they played a great first half. We played a good second half. Our offense ended up uh, putting some real nice fourth down conversions, third down conversions together, stretching out some long uh, drives to have good ball possession. And, you know, ended up we ended up being on top. We kicked a good field goal, made a stop. But it was the good ball club. They yeah. uh, they play us hard every year, and uh, we just end up being on top. Yeah, we that's felt been like it, man. The, the, the anchor and... bone. That's been that's been the measuring stick, and it's sweet. It's got a sweet uh, ring to it. But you talked about it that first half. They tried, and I shouldn't say tried. They did. They aired it out across the field, um, all over you guys. And you know there were a couple plays where those wide receivers showed that why they were super talented and some highly taught guys coming out of high school. Um, but the the emphasis at half, something obviously changed. And for me, the biggest thing was you guys bent, and but you never broke, right? And I think that was probably a big emphasis from your coaches at halftime. But, I mean, without getting into too much detail, what was that emphasis or was just that kind of same sentiment when you went into the locker room? Oh, yeah. I mean, no team goes play a game and expects to lose, right? We expected to win when we, when we showed up there, and we knew we could win. Um and that was kind of the thing is like, hey, let's stop messing around here. Let's do what we got. And uh, we ended up coming out. You know, the atmosphere was crazy. You know, everything. We cooled down a little bit, locked in, stopped with the mental mistakes, and we ended up locking it down. So, Yeah, that's huge. Now, I got to ask, the touchdown run from Malik. He's diving over the line. You see the replay. Is he in on that or is the ball loose? Uh, yeah, he's in. Okay. I mean, he went again. <laughs> okay, okay. All he's got to do is cross the plane. Yeah, it is what it is. You get, you don't have reviews, Division Two. Yeah, it's all. But we're not to the semifinal yet, so we start reviews this week. Um, it is what it is. You know, it could. You know, I mean, there's there's calls that could go both ways. You know, he doesn't 100%. score there. We don't throw that pick. They don't score. You know, we had a mental mistake on. Uh, a fake field goal like there's you know I mean in every football game there's plays that could go both ways and uh we happen to be on top on that one and they happen to be on top on a colder and we just finished on top it's like that game like you said every time you guys meet it feels like it's one play away from being bust open or one play away from from sealing the deal in those last couple of minutes which has been the last couple times you guys have played now um for you playing on that defense where it feels like every play, like this could be the one. And your defense generates, first of all, so many sacks, so many turnovers. I guess just how do you fit into your role and be really a role guy in that type of defense to make those plays when you're counted on? Um, I consider myself as uh, a sacrifice of a defensive player, right? So I play Buck. You guys play the Bearcat as well. Yeah, I was going to say, pretty um, similar scheme. I'm not there to make a million sacks like Caleb is, right? You yeah. know? So I'm there, set the edge, do my job. And for our defense, like, that's all it's about. Caleb's a fantastic – he's actually my roommate. Uh, I was just talking to him earlier. Yeah, he he makes great plays, fantastic football player. But not everybody can be, right? So everybody's got to do the role. And that's the big thing we emphasize is you want to win national championships or do you want to be the star dude, right? And everybody's like, we want to win a national championship. So that's how it is. And – from there, I think that's where we get a lot of our success and how we just kind of keep producing wins and wins. 
Have you always had that type of buy-in from you guys, or did it take winning or, I guess, losing, I guess, on the opposite side of things to really get that from your guys, or is that always, since you've been there, really been part of that culture? Since I've been there, it's been that culture. That's um, awesome. I came here in 2020, so, and Tony and East came, you know, 10 years ago or so, and since then, you can tell the turnaround, so he's an amazing coach. He's He can uh, get players to play, and it's just how it is around here. Yeah, and I don't want to, like, speculate like crazy, but, I mean, we talk about it, and Caleb obviously has a chance to go play at the next level. We were saying, like, shoot, what if he gets picked up in, like, a, you know, fifth or a sixth round? Someone takes a chance on the guy. Look at, like, a Judon comparison. Who's putting together a depoy-worthy uh, performance this year? Have you guys chatted about that at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's locked in right now. We're, you know, we're still in playoff football. Of course, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's – He's talking to everybody he can, getting his thing going. I mean, good. All of uh, our roommates' perspective, everybody on the team is, yeah, this dude's a ball player. Go get him, go get him That's a contract awesome. and let him play in the NFL. You know, and right. I think he will. I, I think he will. He's a fantastic guy. Um, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I yeah. really do. That'd be sweet. Now talk about this weekend, the Argonauts. Um, you guys played them in 2019, so you weren't there yet, correct? When that first that first match in the semifinals. Nope. Yeah, so, but obviously, you know, you know about that. Uh, what have you seen on film of this West Florida team? We're going to talk about them in a little bit because I think their story is so interesting. They field their first football team in 2016, and they're the national runner-up in 2017, win the Natty in 2019 after taking down the Bulldogs. Like, this program is very fresh on the map, but they already have two Gulf South championships, and, and they're on a roll this year. That win over Delta State really propelled them to uh, a good position. So what have you seen uh, on them without, like I said, going into too much detail? Uh, good ball team. Uh, their quarterback is a uh, big guy, run the ball well. He throws the ball. He's got a cannon on him. I mean, he throws every ball a million miles an hour. Um, the running backs are real shifty. They can get up the hole, get through some space. Um, their defense isn't like the defenses in the GLIAC, but, you know, they're a good ball club. You can tell they've made it to the semifinal, you know, the final four. Yeah. And like you said, the year and year they've been uh, proving that they're a good ball team. So, you know, we respect them heavily as an opponent, just like we do any other team. So, yeah, we're just going to go out there, play our game, and uh, hopefully be on top. Just trust our uh, coaching and our study, and we'll be all right. Now, I see the the score. You're going to call it behind you there. But one downside of the playoffs, probably haven't been out to uh, been out to the blind at all this season, have you? No, not much. I got a little bit of time. Uh, I hunted early, early bow season. I got to hunt, but okay. uh, we we don't get to leave for Thanksgiving break because we yeah. you know we had a game and two days after, and I ended up getting to hunt. We got the afternoon off for Thanksgiving, and yeah. I got to hunt. I ended up shooting a doe on uh, Thanksgiving day, so it was kind of fun with a couple of buddies. All there's uh there's probably twenty guys on the football team that hunts, so we get a good stuff little group together and go. Sweet man. I'm excited. I'm excited for this weekend. I'll be. I'll definitely be tuned in. I know you'll be. Uh, you'll be pumped for that one. But uh, just one game, one game at a time for you guys right now. But like I said, I can't appreciate you coming on here. I can't. Can't say it enough. Seriously. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Of course, man. Well, we'll be in touch. Best of luck to you guys. And uh, like I said, we'll be following along. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Good luck, bro. See ya. Appreciate it. Fourth, final four for Ferris State football. Nick was a good dude. Like I said, uh, really appreciate him coming on. And, uh, you know, I know he's got to defend his teammate, but uh, Malik definitely fumbled over the goal line on that touchdown. <laughs>
like I still haven't even seen it. Really? You haven't seen the clip? I thought he was for sure in when I saw it live and the replay I was like, yeah. You thought he was what? For sure. You thought he was for sure in. You said he was he's five yards into the end zone. I know. And then you got the replay up and you uh, I don't know. Exactly. How about you put the mic in your face, huh? Oh, my bad. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, let me tell you, saw that clip, saw the replay. He fumbled going over the plane. Uh, and that's one that GV guy's gonna be pointing at for a while. Wow. Yeah, yeah but so like, it's tough. You? It's tough. I mean, there's so many different plays that could have, you know, been the, the deciding factor of that game. Like, you could make the argument, like, okay, if you want to win GV, maybe don't get a punt blocked on, like, the very first possession of the game. That was, like, a set the tone, especially for the away team. Come into Lubber Stadium, go and set the tone right away. Block the punt for, puck punt for, at like, the two-yard line, score on the very next play. Um, so that was a huge turn for them. But we had talked about West Florida. And their program, um, I rattled off some of those stats. Their first team in 2016, lost the Natty in 2017, won it in 2019. This is their fourth playoff appearance already. They only missed in 2018. And then 2020, obviously, we didn't have a season. So they already have two conference championships in the Gulf South. This team has, like, really intrigued me. And also, shout out the guys down there. Their media department is crazy. Media department down at West Florida. They are going to Props to the media team. Real good? deal. Are they good? Are they, like, well, Photographer, really their like photographer you? is like one of the oh better than me. Really? Their photographer is. He's like wow. strict, more strictly photo, but mm. like he is fantastic. Morgan Givens, he does a very good job on there. So shout out, shout out to him. Uh, I really enjoy watching their work. But uh, do we want to start with Mister Irrelevant, or would we like to go right to the Heisman finalists? Let's talk about my boy Brock Purdy, Mister. You want to talk Mr. about? Irrelevant. You want to talk about Brock? What did yeah. you see from from Brock's showing? So. Obviously, I love like the efficiency 20, 25 or thirty seven. Like a rookie, his first game in the like he completed twenty five passes in his first NFL game. Like, I mean, he he went in in the Saints game too, but that was they already kind of had the game in the bag. Yeah, so I guess I should preface it by yeah. saying Jimmy G goes down in the first quarter. Forty mm-hmm. ers fans, especially now, they had to be heartbroken because it feels like the narrative around this Forty ers team is that this is a real contender. Like they're getting hot at the right time yep. in the last stretch of the regular season, could really make a deep playoff run after the injury to Trey Lance. Now you lose Jimmy G who, you know, is a very conflicting story. But when he's on the field, the bottom line is they win games when Jimmy G is on the field. So little did they know they had a loaded weapon on the bench, that being Brock Purdy comes in, like you said, 25 for 37, 210 yards, two tuds and a pick. There you go. You already had it. So That's not a loaded weapon, bro. Mr. Relevant, dude. (laughs) Coming off the bench cold? I'd say so. You you ever ever completed? mastermind calling the plays for you. You throwing up and Christian McCaffrey like, and Debo that, Samuel like and that George offense Kittle is crazy and Brandon Ayuk like that offense is crazy. Hey, so hey, like, it ain't. But I'm and the just, Dolphins don't I'm just have to like build them up. I'm not trying to tear them down. No, you know, I, I get that. We giving them. Well, the you're the tearing mic. them down. No, nah, y'all giving them the same Mike White treatment. It ain't Mike no. For four that's my job. It to overreact. Lost, it ain't no film. It ain't. Uh, you overreact. Oh my bad. Brock Purdy, the next Tom Brady. Thank you. That's all we needed. Yeah, my bad. That's my Talk fault. shows, I know. talking and, and shows and podcasts would be so boring if it was all uh, just I dead being truth practical. and honest. I thought he was being pr- my bad. Yeah, Brock Purdy, man, you saw Shirty. He like thank you. You got a big arm and Josh Allen. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And then it didn't matter if he was playing the Dolphins or the '85 Bears. He was going to complete those 25 passes off the bench, cold. And Debo saying not even that good. He made him look that good. He was loaded. Dude. All I'm gonna say, yeah. all I'm gonna say, like obviously, it's easy to say, like you know, this, this team's really good. Obviously, you know. Still takes a lot of skill to complete 25 passes over 210 yards and two touchdowns. Like, yeah. That's a like good it's a defense like, that is not a, like it's a serviceable. Defense. It's yeah. serviceable. You know what I mean? It's like, you know. So. I mean, they also the best defense in the NFL. No, but here's the thing. Now, do you do you trust this guy? Or do you keep him in there? Or do you go get somebody? 
Well, it sounds get? like they're going to trust Purdy because the rumor was that Deadline's Baker over. was going to be uh, going to the Niners, but it feels like they're going to trust him. He knows the offense. He's been in that scheme. And I will say, too, two guys that have endorsed him right off the bat, Fred Warner came out and endorsed him publicly um, yeah. after that start. He said uh, basically he knew he was that guy. Now, he probably didn't think he was going to be the starter for them. They had two quarterbacks ahead of him. But he knew going up against him in the scout team every day, he said that Brock Purdy had it and he knew it. And so those guys go back and forth and jaw at each other in practice. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was – that's like a leader of your team right there, a cornerstone of your franchise, to come out and publicly say right after that. Um, you didn't have to do that. So I thought that was pretty important and pretty telling. Now, as far as the 49ers and still being a contender, apparently Jimmy G might come back later in the season, and I don't know why. Man, I hope so. Yeah, that. I hope so, man. That'd be good. Um, I don't know why this is not. This is showing the wrong uh, thing here. Hold on. There it is. Nice. Now we can see Jimmy G does not need foot surgery and could return in seven to eight weeks during playoffs. If rehab goes well per who said it, Ty Adam Schefter, Kobe's best friend, Adam Schefter, Kobe. Like I wish y'all could understand like how much Kobe admire Adam Schefter. Uh, he's got no, a picture of him in sure his room. got a picture of Adam Schefter in his room. <laughs> I don't like Adam Schefter and that's the joke, but, um, that he is what like he's he That is he. What he's reporting is that Garoppolo has a chance to return in seven to eight weeks. And if that's the case, where would the Niners be in seven to eight weeks? That's the question. Depending on their schedule. Yeah. So what is it? Five weeks of your season left, right? Yeah. Oh, and then Jesus, that if, would be. So like, I was saying, because it'd be like that'd be the divisional round of the conference championship. That's what I was thinking. They're going to win the division. I mean, barring some like ridiculous. Agreed. They could lose out. I don't think they will. Good. I think it's I mean, a very could, low could, okay, okay. probability yes. of that okay. happening. Yeah, for sure. So if you win the division, if they're the one or the wait, no, oh, that's right, because the, the format's changed. Only the one seed gets the first round. So that is correct. They don't get, the get a buy. So they'll be in the wild card round for sure. Because the Eagles, I'm assuming, yeah. are ahead of the one yeah. seed. Let's talk about some other quarterback news from around the league. The Rams, they've claimed Baker Mayfield off waivers. Supposedly, they were the only team to place a claim on Baker Mayfield out of anyone in the league. When it felt like he was going to go to the 49ers, kind of seemed like the obvious fit with the Jimmy G injury. What do we think about Baker to L.A.? I mean, they have nothing to lose. They don't have a draft pick. Agreed. So they want to win games. That's true. And it's not it's not impossible. Yeah, they, Baker's still not a – I wouldn't call him a terrible quarterback. You know what I mean? He's no, He's a bad quarterback, but I, he's better than Bryce Perkins. What? Oh, that's that's what started right now. Wolford started last and week. Wolford, yeah. I was just say, yeah, okay. Yeah. But Perkins ended up going in the game. I think Wolford got hurt or something. Did he? Yeah. So I would agree. He's better than whoever they've been putting out there on the field. And like you said, their draft pick goes to the Lions in the first round. So there's no advantage for them to just tank right now because you're only helping the Lions. So mm-hmm. and it was kind of a weird situation last week because they're playing the Seahawks. Seahawks obviously in front of the Lions in the playoff hunt right now. So as a Lions fan, it's a win-win, really. Because the Seahawks are either losing and you're gaining a game up on them in the playoff hunt, or the Rams are losing and your draft stock just yeah. continues to get higher. And I was a little bit conflicted on who to root for on that one. Is it a win-win, though? Because I feel like if I'm a Lions fan, I want to win as many games as I can. I think a, yep. dra- a, a better draft pick to me as a Lions fan right now serves me nothing. I mean... I would agree with that. I'd rather... Dude, I'd rather have a chance at a wild card than... Exactly. Yeah. You, get the, third, the, you get the third pick, and you could get, like... CJ Shaw or Bryce Young because the Bears are gonna probably get like the second pick. Bears or will, will Anderson. The Bears will get Will Anderson and they'll trade down. They're okay. not gonna. They're not. Yeah, I was gonna say they're not drafting a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So they get the trade down, or say they pick Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. You get like CJ Shaw or Bryce Young, whoever the uh, Texans don't pick. 
Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Now, LA they pick up the one point three million remainder of Baker's contract, which you know I don't understand how do you do that. Yeah, I don't you know whatever that is. Salary cap isn't real. It really isn't, dude. People just play gymnastics around it all the time, and yeah. I don't like, it's really crazy. understand. It's a made up number at this point. They were like in the luxury tax, like crazy. <laughs> yes, and then they went to sign Bobby Wagner, <laughs> and then Allen Rob like. I don't, How? Yeah, it's not real. It's not. And it's really like what everyone has said. It's like just they really Madden. just put they put yeah. all their chips yeah. into that team last year and it paid off. So you really can't uh, can't fault the business strategy. Now, let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson suffered a sprained PCL last week. That was the news. He's going to be out. He said he could miss. I shouldn't say he said, but they're saying he could miss one to three weeks. Uh, but the bigger news around Lamar Jackson doesn't really have anything to do with his injury, but rather where Lamar Jackson will end up after this year in Baltimore. And fellas, take a look at this tweet. Shout out to uh, World of Isaac for this one. But he says, um, Lamar to Detroit confirmed. And our internet sleuths all over Twitter here are going to LJ Era 8's Twitter. And here under the likes is the final score from the Lions game. And you're like, okay. That's not, like, enough evidence to say that Lamar is coming to Detroit, right? Can we can we agree on that? Like, he just liked the final score tweet. That's not really anything substantial. But then you look at there are other examples, and supposedly fans caught Lamar Jackson riding scooters in downtown Detroit. And I'm not going to pull up the video here, but that was the word, is that Lamar Jackson was in downtown Detroit riding around scooters. He likes these pictures. And I will say the only thing that substantiates a lot of these claims is that Lamar actually said before the season Detroit was one of the teams he'd be willing to go to in a trade or after his contract with a franchise tag was up, etc. What do we think? If I'm Lamar... LJ era 8 in the Honolulu Blue. I think the Lions' offense is way better than Baltimore's offense. He's a, he'd have a way better supporting cast in, in Detroit. Think so. Granted, the Ravens are a far better franchise than the Lions are. I would 100% agree with just about everything you said. And like right there. organizationally, I mean, obviously you got to you got to lean towards the Ravens too. But again, yeah. the, Lions, the Lions, the Lions are young, yeah. exciting, and I I think it's a great fit. And what the are the Lions I think missing it's a great fit. right now in their offense? Obviously, Jared Goff's coming off of a career performance last He's serviceable. week. Serviceable, serviceable is a great word. Yeah. But this last performance, if you look at his stat line, like even Ty, you 31 have to acknowledge for 41, 340, two touchdowns. He was slinging that thing. Yeah. Say it again. This is the Jaguars. 31 for 41. Okay. So it's a 75 completion percentage. All right. 340 and two uh -huh. touchdowns. So that's like 10 you yards. he played in the highest scoring Monday night football game of all time. Yeah. 53 51. Right? I can guarantee you his stats from that game was probably better. Yeah. I'm, yeah. But no, I'm just but saying. Yeah. Oh, you said that was lion. one of his As better games. Oh, I'm thinking, I'm like, bro, like, hold on. I'm not, I think yeah. Shirley threw for like 450 that game or no, something like that. You're right. But I'm just saying that. We thought we were getting a different Jared Goff. We didn't know we were getting that Jared Goff, and we really haven't. But I'm saying to really build off that point, what is this Lions offense missing right now? Because with Ben Johnson at the helm as the OC, he has really opened up a lot of possibilities. I mean, we saw Monra had 11 or 12 catches this last week, and it was just an absolutely absurd performance. DJ Chark had a career day, for the Lions at least, in his young career at the Lions against his former team, revenge season for him. Then you've got a guy like J-Mo who is going to be coming up and, and making plays. Khalif Raymond is out there. Um, I'm trying to think, but the, the praying mantis, like um, all these different things, like all these different pieces. The one piece they really are missing, I think, is mobility at the quarterback position because you see Jared Goff get back there and our protection has actually been pretty solid from the Lions offensive it's line it's been yeah it's been remarkable but there are obviously times where that breaks down and Jared Goff has really struggled to elude you know people coming in pressure coming in those situations so that seems like an obvious cry for a more mobile quarterback he fits the bill yeah. and I think again like <clears throat> that that run game would be 
off the chain. Oh, my gosh. Lamar Jackson, DeAndre Swift, and Jamal Williams. Yeah. Swift finally came back into his own this Swift, last week, too. Like, I'm a DeAndre Swift fantasy owner. I'm currently 5-8. and eight. I'm on. Like, so, it's, a, it's an eight-man <laughs> playoff. Eight-man playoff. Okay. I'm right there. I'm like, I'm not in the playoffs right now, but I have a decent amount of points. If Swift can just come through for me this week, I think I'm going to win the league. Because <laughs> I, I, ha- I have good enough players. Swift and Brees Hall are my running backs to start the year. Oh. So, I mean, just... I and will a, say yeah, um, an abysmal running back room for me, but the Lions staff said this is the healthiest that DeAndre oh. Swift has been. So that that was that was going into last week. Oh, I need him, man! I need Swift. <laughs> they said that that performance um, before the game, they had said this is the healthiest that Swift has been. So that I believe had a lot to do with his performance. Um, the one thing that I've been definitely when I watch his game is like. Just knowing situational football, right? Down a distance. There are times where you have a chance to go out there in open space, and Swift is very good at this and making people miss, and he's very elusive in that sense. But put your damn shoulder down. Like, just for once, like, you saw when he did that. I think it was a goal goal line run two weeks ago. He drove through two defenders, went all the way to the goal line. I think he was a couple inches short. But, like, he, he, that type of power. Him short, I exactly. Remember. Against the Bills. It was against the Bills. And, like, after that run, you're like, Oh, where has that oh, been? Hey. Yeah, where has that been? And, like, don't get me wrong. We have Jamal Williams. is much more of just a head down between yeah. the tackles. That's why he's leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Yeah. But Swift has that capability, too. So I'd like to see him tap into that more. What are you shaking your head at? Because it's... So when you as talented as DeAndre Swift is, it kind of it, it hurts you sometimes. Because so? I find myself I find myself doing it all the time. <laughs> You feel like you can always make a play. Like bust the big one instead of just getting the it's, six it's, or seven. It's easy to say, like, it's easy to say, dang, where, you feel me? Just lower your shoulder. Why do that when if I break this one tackle right here, I'm gone. So it's it's hard. It's that. hard to be like. He's he's a confident dude, and he should be. Like, he's he, made those plays. Me? He's, and that's, he's, that's, he's bumped those plays before. And that's yeah. what I like. I, I love DeAndre Swift. I'm starting to, like, fall in like, love with his game and stuff like that because, like, I see a lot of what he do in me as far as when he when he fuck up. Because a lot of times I mess up, I'm missing holes and stuff. It's because I'm like, man, if I get this right here and I beat him, it's wraps. Mm-hmm. I'm gone. Versus, you feel me? When Coach Shinzo's sitting there like, you just got to get it in there. Yeah. You just got to get it in there, Ty. You feel me? Sometimes, all right, I get, I get it in there. And he'd be like, those are the runs we need. And then it, it, it's... Talent, I yeah. So I, I can talent see, is a blessing and a I curse. See, I see both sides of it, and I understand what you're saying. For me, I guess my argument would just sit on the fact that it's more the situational part for me. Like third and two, that's not where you shake, right? That's where you fall forward and you make sure that that ball goes over that line. For me, that's but to me though. That's that's coaching though. You think so? Yeah, because you got some DeAndre Swift is all of 190, 200 pounds. You got Jamal Williams. He don't want to do nothing but run his head into a wall anyways. Yeah, but I think that's part of the obvious thing is that when, you know, Williams goes and Jamal goes in there, he was on a kind of a pitch count too this weekend, which is kind of interesting. Um, but when he goes in there, they know that's what they're going to expect from him. I think DeAndre Swift can have that part to his game. He may as well use it because that just makes him such a more multifaceted back. He's obviously such a threat out of the backfield catching routes. We know he's good on the interior run game too, and especially when he has a hole to work with, right, and he gets to that second level. But I think if he can unlock that other part of his game too, I, there's no area where I could really see him being faulty as a running back. No, uh, that ain't that ain't going to never be a part of his game. He's just too little. He's like 5'9". Five, 5'9", like, five, nine. Five, nine, like 190, 200. Like that ain't, that ain't where you want to use him. You shouldn't be used. That's why you hurt now. It's not where you should be using him. Like in between the tackle, third and two, go give me this first down. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, it gets to a point where, like, no, I agree. You're I running agree. back that good, but that's why you got Jamal Williams. Yep. So that's why that's why I say, like, it's easy to say, like, oh, put your foot in the ground. That's not his game. And that's why he hurt in the first place. And he, like, tore up, too. Like, his ankle all messed up, his shoulder all. I would like, say he's, he's dealt with, like, three or four yeah, different, he, like, yeah. He So he tore up. He really shouldn't have been playing, in my opinion. And as much as they was, like, he wasn't even touching the ball for real. He's barely playing. They should have just held him out and let him get healthy. But I feel like that that go down to more coaching to me because I he, he a little guy yeah so he'd be like it's third and two man we need you to put your foot in there and get the, for what when you got <laughs> folks who don't get tired over here doing backflips every time he score <laughs> and you want me to run in there I can't even sleep on the right side of my oh body my at night gosh. that's funny no that's good it makes sense it makes sense Jimmy you you had something yeah so um a couple things here so talking about like DeAndre Swift's kind of like game his last name is like a perfect for his game swift <laughs> like, like he's just a swift runner that's what he is so sure that's just a perfect right there it sets it up perfectly and the way jamal williams and swift complement each other like it kind of gives me a headache because like i'm a swift owner every time jamal williams scores a touchdown i'm like oh that should be swift yeah but i mean but like ty just like this, i just said this, that's what this he's made tan- for. this tandem is incredible and then now we're talking about earlier if you throw lamar in there it's like the lions would have one of the best offenses in the league i didn't even get to say it it's not feasible for Lamar to even get to Detroit. Why? Baltimore Why not? is not going to let him walk. I don't think so either. They will franchise tag him, and then if it got when it all come down to where it needs to go, they're going to break the bank for him. So they it should. should. I mean, it's, they should. They 100 percent should, but they, they should. haven't, which is what gives me hope. And now because they this still got year, time. Is this year the last year of his deal, or is he franchise tagged already? No, this is the last year of his deal. They're going to do nothing but franchise tag him next year. I see. Tag? No, you, you can't. Have, you have to take it. Yeah, like oh. you got to sign it. Like he'll, still, friend, he'll still make a decent amount of money yeah, in the franchise. He'll like, make a not, lot of money. It's just not guaranteed, and it, it's not, like, long-term. Yeah, it's right? not long-term. You feel me? And I feel like it's to the point where, like, the Detroit Lions, they have to draft a quarterback this year. Unless yeah. unless you're going to trade for Lamar Jackson and trade the pick. That's the only way they're going to get Lamar Jackson. If they trade the pick and they trade it to Baltimore so Baltimore can draft their next quarterback. It's definitely where everyone sees it kind of heading, right? It's that direction with the quarterback. There's no way he's going to hit the free agency. Like, Lamar Jackson never tests free agency in his life. I don't know. I can't say that because I don't know how many times you can franchise. I don't know how how many times you can franchise franchise tag somebody. I mean, let's see. Not not as long as he's an upper echelon quarterback. It'll never happen. I mean, look, Tom Brady is a free agent. Tom Brady was... 45. Okay, again, I'm just saying, you said never, ever. He was 45. I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. Playing devil's I think advocate. we can agree that Lamar will probably not be playing until he's 45. I would Just because of his style of play. Exactly. Right. So he'll never, not while he's an upper echelon quarterback. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see, like, Brady, like, you feel me? Brady not Brady for real, but he's still Tom Brady. He still play, yeah. In a sense, you feel me? But he not what he used to be. And it, that, it. that relationship, it sizzled out. He only had two suitors, Miami and... Tampa Bay. Yeah, you're right. Um, but we can talk about two other guys that have made quite a name for themselves in the NFL world of quarterbacking. That is Peyton and Eli Manning. These two are going to be the head coaches in this year's Pro Bowl. Peyton will coach the AFC. Eli will coach the NFC. And, fellas, we've talked a little bit about the ways in which they could spice up this Pro Bowl, all right? Because the Pro Bowl, historically, has been almost just a bit of a joke, a bit of a publicity stunt. Like, I don't really understand why the game itself is even played to so far, to be honest. I remember watching a while back, we watched, like, some of the skill competitions and those type of things. They still do a lot of those, too. I but thought they, they weren't playing the game no more. See, I don't – I thought so, too, but here we are. I thought they came out and said they weren't playing the game no more. And now they announced that they're going to be coaching. So, are they just coaching the skill competitions? Yeah. 
I don't know because they. I thought they came out and said they were literally not going to play the game anymore. You want to check for me because I thought so too. I thought that was they were totally going to be scrapped because I remember watching the skill competitions. We went. I remember watching like we had the bench press up here. We had like the long ball competition for the quarterbacks. Like some of the stuff we don't do anymore. Like that stuff was electric. Like let's get some of these physical freaks out here. Like these just like, beasts of nature. And see how many times they can move this bar up and yeah. down. How far can he throw this piece of leather? Exactly. I would also just love to see like the the distance football throwing. Like, oh, imagine yeah. seeing like Mahomes and Josh Allen going at oh, it, like, my throwing gosh. it like eighty six yards. Yes. Like, are you kidding me? I would pay. To I bet you that, with the, with the wind at their back. I bet you one of them would throw hundred yards. If there's a crazy wind, wind, if there's crazy wind, like remember there's one day at practice in particular. It was outside. Remember one of the last like. Practice of the year. It was like warm out. It was like super windy, and we were all just like chucking. It. The ball was going. The ball was flying. Through yeah. There. Like if you get like thirty mile an hour winds, I bet you one of them get hundred. One of them get hundred. I mean, yeah, thirty for sure. One of them get hundred. One. You had a tie. Hundred yards. The NFL replaces the Pro Bowl with the Pro Bowl games, including skills competitions. Okay. And the flag football game. That makes more sense. So okay. there you go. We have the flag football game. So, so that's why they'll be the coaches. Game. Yep. There you go. So Eli and Peyton. Going to be the coaches for That's that. Fun. They go from broadcasting. They're doing their uh, Omaha Productions thing on, uh, what is that, Thursday night football usually? Monday, Monday, Monday night football, Monday, my Monday, bad. Monday, Monday night Monday, football. ESPN Thank you. Too, baby. Yep. Uh, those are great. Um, but now they'll be going and coaching a little flag football, a uh, little skill uh, competition there's, action. There's there's no way that two brothers could ever get into a fight or anything. So I don't think so. Like, uh, I don't see any you know, be, physical uh, possibility. No, brothers are not competitive or yell at each other or anything. You know, so. Jimmy, what are you talking about, bro? We just... Oh, no, nah, my, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> we can move on, though, and we'll talk about Golden Tate and not in the sense of, you know, his playing days or his career, but he was asked... About what made the perfect wide receiver in his eyes. Yeah, Jimmy, go ahead and, and get right up and close to that one. So this is the perfect wide receiver in the eyes of Golden Tate. And I'll just read out some of the people for the people who are listening here. What's that? That is something that I wanted to talk about. So, okay, from the top. Hold on. I can't hear your two-bell right now. But from the top, we have the mentality. We have the mentality of Stephon Diggs. We have the intelligence of Cooper Cup. The catch radius of DeAndre Hopkins. The hands of A.J. Brown. The speed of Tyree Kill, the route running of Keenan Allen, and the releases of Devontae Adams and the body type of DK Metcalf. I agree with a lot of these picks, but that was something that jumped out to me right away as well. I, I think Justin Jefferson has way better hands than AJ Brown. Yeah. I think I would yes. agree, especially after watching yes. that catch against the Bills. Are you Are kidding you? me? <laughs> yeah. And on Thursday Night Football on Thanksgiving, he made like three ridiculous downfield contested catches. Yeah, especially I mean, considering whatever. this graphic, yeah. I believe, was made before even this last week where A.J. Brown actually had a pretty great coming out of performance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Against his old team. Actually got the GM of his former team fired, <laughs> which was yeah, hilarious. He did. He did. Yeah, so yeah. that John Robinson, I believe, uh, the GM, or former which GM of the Titans. three games ahead of everybody in the division. And the, now this, is just the time to get rid of your general bizarre manager. Bizarre timing to fire your GM. It is, but this was made even before then, and you're still going to pick the hands of A.J. Brown, not to discredit him at all, but... I would agree with you. I think he's got better hands than uh, his no, Eagles AJ counterpart. Brown could fit in here somewhere, but I just think, like, I don't know why you don't go with Jefferson. I mean. Yeah, what else jumps out uh, to how you? Do you uh, how do you not throw him in, like, the perfect receiver? Like, Yeah, like he's arguably the best receiver in the league right now. Yeah, I think it's, it's Adams and Jefferson. Yep. 1A and 1B. Like, it's just like they're. Yeah. I mean, Ty, you've been uncharacteristically quiet about this graphic. What do you, uh, you see in it? I don't know where Justin Jefferson – Justin Jefferson is just a really good football player. But I he don't is. know where he would fit in here. Because even best hands, I would get out to DeAndre Hopkins over but He have a catch radius, so it's like – Yeah, I I would kind of err on the side of that too. That's what I – that would have been I would my take pick. Mike Evans' hands over A.J. Brown and Justin Jefferson. Okay. 
like Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson is a hell of a football player, but it's like, where would you like Jack of all trades, master yeah, he of can't, none. He can't, he, he, not necessarily the best at anything he put, other than he, just being like, I'm say he just puts it all together. Best, you yeah. Feel yeah. Me? yeah. Like this, like, I mean, it really don't get like any better than this. I mean, it's, I love no, that they give, good. I, I love just, that they uh, give the I would say, intelligence. I would say Mike Evans, like catch radius. <laughs> Or like in DeAndre Hopkins' hands, because DeAndre Hopkins still got the best hands in the league. I agree with that. Now, my my saying is the intelligence thing for Cooper Cup. Or no, for Mike me, Williams catch radius. Mike Williams catch radius. Yeah. That's not a they bad might, pick. They, that's yeah, not a Mike bad Mike Williams pick. catch radius, they and then DeAndre Hopkins' hands. That was on, that's the only thing I would change. That's I like the only those thing picks. You should change. I like those picks. I thought it was funny that Cooper Cup was given the intelligence portion of this graphic because I think he's in a very similar category to Jefferson. Not in the status of receiver, but like especially coming off last year where he had the triple crown in receiving, um, he didn't do. Anything like, like you said, any one part of his game that was extraordinary. Route I think runner. he's a fantastic route runner. Yeah. But obviously, you know, in this situation, you're giving that to Keenan Allen, which is, I think, a pretty good choice. I would give him um, Cooper to route runner. You would? Or Tyreek Hill. Over or Calvin, both really. of them over I would Keenan actually Allen. take Calvin Ridley, route runner. Yeah, would you really? People forget about yes. Ridley, yeah. That's yeah, a fair point. He's really good. But I just, I kind of felt that he almost fit into a similar situation with Jefferson in that they felt like they probably needed, to, or I say they, Golden Tate probably felt like he needed to put uh, Cooper Cup yeah. somewhere in this graphic, yeah, yeah, and he I said, do, yeah. "Give him the intelligence." Because yeah, he he is very good. I mean, I saw I yeah, very this, like, cerebral player. Just, yeah, like, he walks out there and he's like making pre snap reads like a quarterback would. Like I've seen like these little like clips of him or whatever. Like, That's pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> Anything else to highlight on it before we uh, before we move on? I don't know, man. That's kind of that's hard because you got like so many good receivers, and it's like hard to be like. I want this from this guy. This from yeah. this guy. I would say it's hard to make like a quote unquote perfect list, right? It's impossible. It's not easy. Everyone's going to be like, oh, this would be this guy here, this guy there. It's like, you know what I mean? 100%. So. so now we can move on and talk about the Heisman finalists. They've been officially released, and I will pull the graphic up here of these guys. But the four Heisman finalists, first of all, you've got Stetson Bennett. Then you've got Max Duggan, C.J. Stroud, and Caleb Williams, quarterbacks for Georgia, TCU, Ohio State, and USC. Well, the USC claim has been a little bit disputed here. South Carolina is making a, making a run for it. But the traditional USC, uh, Caleb Williams. So those are your finalists, all quarterbacks, which has become pretty typical of the award. Who is our front runner right now? It seems to be that Caleb Williams has kind of pulled a lot of the fans and the betting his way. Yeah, I really don't think it's – there's no one that's good. He's the – he's okay, the best player in college football is Will Anderson, but I think the best quarterback because it's a quarterback award. Is Caleb Williams hasn't been much talk about Will Anderson this year, at least yeah, not as much as there win, was like, last year. SEC unanimous player of the year this year, defensive player of the year. Did he unanimously? I think I just saw that. Like, yeah, Will Anderson should have been a Heisman finalist. Uh, there's no reason why he shouldn't. And the Hooker should have been a final. Uh, yeah, finalist. I mean, that is yeah, what I wanted to talk yeah, about too. Is who's games, getting though. snubbed? Yeah. So that was my next question: Is who's getting snubbed? And on my list right here, Hendon Hooker was number one because I felt he played in a way that deserved for him to at least be a finalist. Now with his untimely injury. You could kind of it'd be a hard case to give him the award, but I but felt he that have been he a finalist, agreed. Though. I felt that he 100 percent deserved to be one Over of the four finalists. Max Duggan and Stetson Bennett. Yeah, he should have been in before the both of them. I would 100 percent agree with that. Max statement. Duggan had a solid year for sure, and he, the I TCU numbers. TCU like you feel me? They had a really good season, so you almost got to in a sense. But like, I feel like Stetson Bennett only there because Georgia went undefeated. Mm-hmm. 
Like, yeah. and, and yeah. I, I can understand, I can understand like, he's yeah. played really good football, and his team has not lost the game. He's the face of the best team in college football right now, so I can at least understand it. But like you said, is he the most valuable player in college football? No, he's not a Heisman finalist. He could have been a Maxwell. He could have been a Maxwell or an O'Brien, but not not the Heisman. So he has. Uh, I'm just, these are just stats. So he. 20 touchdowns, 6 picks, 86.3 QBR, which is the 6th best in the country. Mm-hmm. 3,400 passing yards. And he's 13-0. and 12 mm-hmm. Or 12-0. I think he's he's worthy of the, the finalist. He's not going to win the award. No, I would agree. I think, but here's the thing. Are you looking at that thing? Oh, Stetson Bennett shouldn't be a Heisman finalist. I'm saying Stetson Bennett shouldn't have been a Heisman finalist. <sighs> I'm saying, That's I don't think that he doesn't, des- I don't think that he does not deserve it. I think Hendon Hooker deserves it more than he deserves it, if that makes any sense. I think that he's deserving to be a finalist and be in this position. I think Hendon Hooker and what he did for that Tennessee team has him in a position where he was more deserving. But to John Robinson should have been that. a Heisman finalist. Hendon Hooker and Will Anderson all over Stetson Bennett. Blake Corum has not been mentioned by any of us. That's no, someone that's, who I yeah, thought that yeah, you guys Corum, might bring up. Is that Corum, someone that a lot of people hey, have thought might have been kid, snubbed? There's some kid at Incarnate Word. Know. There's a kid at Incarnate Word. I forgot his name, but RG talks about it all the time. He threw 50 touchdowns this year. For who? The Incarnate Word quarterback. Division one. Incarnate Word? Yeah, it's FCS. But RG3s was like adamant about he should be a Heisman finalist. I mean, I just. I'm that's just ta- a I'm stretch. Just, yeah. No, no, I'm just 50 touchdowns, though. That's I mean, crazy. That's, that's nah, crazy. Dude. I knew they, they weren't going to give it to Blake Corum. Yeah. Because he. Like, right now, his stats is similar to what Kenneth Walker's was last Agreed. year. And Kenneth Walker didn't make it last Agreed. year. Not saying that no, I, all those stats. Like, I feel like if, if he had played against Ohio State and he had got those 200 yards that Donovan Edwards had, yeah. he played against Purdue and got those then the argument yards, would be much more then he'd have been, yeah. been a finalist to me. But, like, right Agreed. now, his stats is identical to what Kenneth Walker's was, and he didn't get in. And Kenneth Walker had a better year than Blake Corum, if you ask me. I would agree. So. I would 100% agree. Now, another big reason that he might not be winning the award is because the award actually has a new trophy that, that we can real? take a look at here. Uh, this is breaking news. It's not oh, real. It's uh, not thank real. You. This is God. breaking news that the Heisman Trust has announced <laughs> a new trophy will be awarded to the winners moving forward, replacing the iconic yeah. Heisman pose to more accurately reflect the players eligible for the yeah. selection. I saw the blue check mark. I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah. it, it looked like some satire in there, some sarcasm. Oh, 100% sure. there is. But, but I just had to just, make sure. <laughs> just poking fun at the fact that obviously yeah. the all of the finalists this year and many in the past have come from the quarterback position, and that kind of seems like that's the only position that you can really win the award from. Um, like you had already said, like you thought Will Anderson should be a finalist this year. People have made the argument in the past that even running backs and wide receivers have been kind of cast aside for this award, especially defensive side players in the ball. Um, Woodson, I believe, was the only defensive Heisman winner, correct? So obviously that has not happened more than once, and that was just kind of an anomaly season that he said that is unprecedented. So what does the future of this award look like? I think it just keeps trending towards quarterbacks. It's messed up because it's like it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't. I 100% agree it shouldn't, but like you got do we players. think that's what's going to happen? Yeah, of course, because it's just an offensive-driven game. Yep. You're just going to space the ball out and throw the ball all around all around the yard, and it's not really feasible for a defensive player to try to, like, keep up with that. Yeah, like, I mean, it's you have no to have, way have to Will Anderson is not a Heisman he, finalist. He's the best. He's he the is best, by he's far and away the, the best football player in America. It's not even close. It's not even close, dude. I really, 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 really want him to be in the Bears this year, next year. Like, it's like, not even close. You can build your defense around him. Yeah. 
He is like Micah Parsons. Yeah. He's literally Micah Parsons. Yep. Like that same type of impact. That's him. Yeah. Like not saying like, oh, he's him. Like I'm saying like that's, that's I need him, dude. Oh, I need him. We've got a good we've got a good stat for you here about one of our Heisman finalists. That's Stetson Bennett. And when you look at this graphic, very funny telling of the age of Stetson Bennett. You look at 2016, Lamar Jackson wins the Heisman Trophy. 2018, Kyler Murray wins it. 2019, Joe Burrow wins it. 2022, he's named a Heisman finalist. All of these quarterbacks are 25 years old. It's just such an insane. Obviously, the COVID year comes into play there, and other things, and eligibility, and and Stetson Bennett's story about not he didn't see the field right away. Obviously, um, but really, this stat is just ridiculous. That I mean, he's twenty five and he's high absurd. the finalist. So wait, does that mean Lamar went when he was nineteen? Is that what that is that? Am I is my math wrong on that? Or like, yeah, I believe you're on correct 20. on that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Other, I think so. he was probably right, right on the cusp of being twenty years old. That probably about nineteen. Is true sophomore crazy? Yeah, yeah, he was nineteen. Yeah, That's I think you're right. Crazy. I mean, it's on. It's insane, dude. It's really insane. So, <laughs> wow. There you have that. So I wanted I wanted to leave you guys on that one. I thought yeah. that was uh, that was a that pretty is cool something stat. else, man. Yeah, I was I was walking in here thinking I was just gonna you know see a couple clips you know whatever. I was not expecting to see that stat. <laughs> I was not Stat expecting that? to see that. Yeah, right. Uh, that's all we have for today, fellas. That was a good one. I like the Heisman. The Heisman talk yeah. was good. Yeah, we had a couple, a couple uh, bumps in the road here on our on our way to the conclusion. Hey, but, but it's just hey, about where you finish, right? Yeah, exactly. I thought it was a pretty yeah. smooth episode. I thought it was pretty uh, good. Not really, yeah. not really a whole lot too yeah. much going on. Uh, pretty smooth. What? Pretty smooth. Where'd 